we'll get started. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Thank you for understanding. Thank you for the gift of eternal life and the eternal life package, Father. It's a gift that we are yet opening up and you're revealing to us more and more every day. So we thank you, Lord, for revelation. We thank you for power. Thank you for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for gifting us all of the great things that you want to do for us and uh, that we receive in this life. In Jesus' name, amen, and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So we're going to talk today about the fact that it is finished. Amen. It is finished. Amen, amen. So what's finished? Satan's reign on the earth, for one thing, is finished. Amen. His reign on the earth, that means his un, unstopped or unfettered or unhindered uh, control of everything that pertains to life in this earth. Uh, that's finished. So that's been done, done away with. Also, man's separation from God is finished. We can draw nigh to him. Amen. We can draw nigh to him, and he draws nigh to us. Man's suffering with no remedy is finished, amen? So the impossible uh, things that assail our lives are done away with now, just from one action of God in giving and shedding his blood for the redemption of all of mankind. Isaiah 53, if you'll go there, It starts out, verse 1, Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm or the strength of the Lord revealed? It's like, who can have the power of God revealed to them? Man, uh, it, it was a big mystery up until that time. They had priests and prophets, people who were ministers uh, for God and ministers uh, to the people. Uh, but they had their limitations. They had, uh, you know, there, there were limitations even with that system. In order to receive from God, the system had to work. And uh, so, but Isaiah is foretelling a new era, a new uh, time, a new situation. He's foretelling a time where um, people would be able to have the strength of God revealed to them. Man, this is a, this is a biggie because I think this is what keeps a lot of people even now in the earth in sin, uh, keeps them discouraged, keeps them living the same old life. It's that hopelessness that you get when you don't know God. Amen. And so the one thing I know that that when God enters your life, the Bible says the entrance of the Word brings light. Light always brings hope. Amen. Light and life are are the same thing as far as spiritual things are concerned. And where there's light, there's hope. And where there's life, there's hope. Where there's the word of God deposited, there's hope. So Isaiah is asking who would believe such a thing? Who, Who has the nerve to believe this gospel? He didn't call it the gospel then, but it was he was foretelling what the good news would be all about. It says, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. 
So this is interesting. It says that whoever this person is, to whom is the arm of the strength of the Lord revealed, this person would be more or less like an ordinary person. There would be nothing extraordinary about him in the natural. And so that is a picture of who Christ is. And I think that's a picture of who Christ's disciples and his servants are. We're ordinary people. We, the, the, he says he had no form or comeliness, nothing that would make him stand out as somebody to be desired. Uh, remember King Saul, their first king, was the tallest, handsomest guy in the land, and they, they all voted for him, you know, on appearance. Uh, we do the same thing now, you know, in this country. You know, we have the ability to vote, but we mostly vote name recognition. You know, this is statistically proven. We vote name recognition. We vote charisma we vote personality. So if it's somebody that can really sell their personality to people, they get in. You know, very few of us vote issues. You know, what are they really saying? What are they going to do for us? And what are they going to do for the, for me? And so when we understand that Jesus came in the form of an ordinary man, there wasn't anything distinctive about him. And he says he was despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. So he went from being an ordinary man to a despised man. So there was never really a time in Jesus' life where he could claim a real popularity based on the things that people were popular for. Uh, people would follow him for a season, but when he would preach something that they didn't agree with, they left. Amen. And so this is the, the life of the servant of God. We carry the message of the gospel inside of us, but this is a message that is hated by hell. It's it's loved by people who that God has chosen and given them ears to hear. But it's hated by the forces of darkness. And so there will always be this this uh, love-hate relationship with us uh, because of what we carry, because of what we believe, and because of who we serve. It says, but surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. And it says that, that when we saw him, we saw him as somebody to be despised. He was, we thought he was taking punishment for something he had done wrong himself. Amen. And so it says when we, when we evaluated him on the cross or, or what happened to him at the end of his life, we esteemed him very little because we felt that he was taking punishment for some wrong he had done. And then he says, but that's not true. That's not what the story was because he did it for us. He says, surely he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He wasn't taking punishment because he had done wrong. He was taking punishment because we had done wrong. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. So what Isaiah is telling us is that there will come a person in the earth 
who will begin to reveal the strength of God. And the strength of God was revealed in the suffering of Christ. So there's no way you can get around it. And so as the arm of the Lord is revealed, the strength of the Lord is revealed, it's revealed in a man who suffered and died for something he did not do, but he was considered to be an able substitute. In God's eyes, he was sinless, he was blameless. In our eyes, the Bible says he's lightly esteemed. We esteemed him not. And so this is the the uh, the um, uh, conflict here with people who who think they know Christ and people who really do know him. Many times people will think, well, Jesus was just a prophet. He was an ordinary man. Yeah, he died for our sins, but they don't know the whole story. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, sometimes Jesus comes along as just a story that people are told and not really the key to eternal life for many people. So it's true even now that he is lightly esteemed by people who don't really have an understanding of the truth, who aren't open to the truth, and who don't know the truth. But it's in these conflicting things, it's in these confusing things, where God's strength is revealed to those who will look for it. So when you understand that, you have to be a seeker of God in order to get this understanding of who he is then you will be more understanding of of why God shrouds his truth in darkness the way he does why does God hide revelation and truth from people who are in darkness until their mercy they can begin to cry out and begin to move God so that he can open up understanding uh, to them it's a process so when it says to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed amen it's first revealed to Christ and then it's revealed by Christ to those who seek God amen there's no other way to come to God but through Jesus Christ now we all know and we accept that but there are many people who think that they know God because they either have a good life or they you know they accomplish some things to to many people accomplishment is God they don't you talk to Oprah Winfrey now she grew up in a Christian household her father's a pastor but she's rejected Christ as the only way to God she thinks there are many paths to God you know um you know, one of the unfortunate lies that the devil tells Christians is that uh, if they serve God, they're going to be broke. They serve God, they're not going to have any fun. You know all the stories. And some people believe it 100%. Even after they come into a revelation, small revelation of Christ, say like they get they get saved. Or they go to church and they're halfway saved and halfway you know how some people are, religious people, they've been in church all their life and they never, ever get all the way over in. You know, you want to you look at people like you say, what is wrong with them? But, and it's because it's never really been a heart thing with them. They've just been coming to church, going along with stuff and, you know, halfway this and halfway that. And when it comes to surrender, they fight that with everything that's in them. And so there are many people that have 
a little bit of understanding, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And God wants us to have the whole picture. Amen. And so when we, we see that, we wonder, you know, uh, what what the hindrance is. But I think most of it has to do with the pull that the world has on people and the effort that it takes to release yourself from the world's grasp. See, many people don't know how much challenge there may be for them to come all the way over into God's kingdom so they can experience what kingdom living is all about. Because I can tell you, if they ever really get in here, they don't want to leave. So they kind of danced around the kingdom. They've done some religious stuff. They went to church and, you know, they were able to refute some things that they thought God should do for people. If God's really God, why doesn't he do this? If God's really powerful, why does he allow suffering? You know, those stupid questions. There are some people who think that's the height of intelligence. Amen? Because if they can't get those uh, questions answered to their satisfaction, they just walk away from the whole thing. So we have a lot of people out here who know some smatterings about church and about church people. You know, you've seen them. There's Tyler Perry's another one. They get around church, you know, and, and anybody who can mock church and mock God's people and mock the way we worship, and they're not believers. There's no mockers in God's kingdom. Amen? You don't make fun. You don't write plays and make fun. Of people who are expressing their love and their devotion for God and call yourself a Christian. And, you know, what can we as believers tell them? Because they got ministers telling them they're born again. So the question is, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Amen. It's for those who, are, who follow the pattern of Jesus. He's of no reputation. There's no form of comeliness. There's no beauty that we should desire him. See, we're not trying to get over on our beauty, our wealth, our anything. And God will reveal everything to you when you humble yourself to him, just like he did to Jesus. It says he's despised and rejected of men. See, when that happens to people in the world, they find a way to compromise so they can get back in the world's good graces. You know? They just find a way to overcome that kind of stuff on there. They're not going to put up with a bad reputation. They're not going to put up with rejection. They're not going to put up with anything. They do what, like say somebody in Oprah Winfrey's, I'll just stay with people in entertainment because that just seems to come to me. But but they do this thing they call reinventing themselves. So they'll go somewhere, reinvent themselves. And come back and see if that will make them popular. Because they live off the praise of men. Amen. They live off the popularity that man affords them. And so, and some of them are very successful at it. The world will let you do those kinds of things and come back and you're no longer despised. You're no longer rejected. You, you know, you're more popular than you were the last time you were popular. Amen. Because you reinvented yourself. So, you know, Elvis Presley is a good example. 
he had been out of show business for a number of years and then he said he was having a comeback and people oh have you seen him he's so fattish elvis got up there and started working again lost that weight he was more made more money in his ladder than he did when he was younger younger he let people take it away from but latter he's smart enough to learn how to hold on to some of it but he was more popular reinventing himself so things in the world work like that we call it in our kingdom being born again see we don't reinvent ourselves we get our true identity amen they have their own the devil has his own counterfeit of that so it says he took punishment not for himself but for us he did it for us but he was wounded for our transgressions everything he did he did for us so he was not taking punishment for anything he had done and it says here in verse 6 all we like sheep have gone astray so there's nobody that doesn't qualify to receive the stripes of jesus to pay for their sins because we've all gone astray we have turned everyone to his own way amen and the lord laid on jesus the iniquity of all of us so he took punishment for everybody who's ever gone astray and that's everybody he was oppressed and he was afflicted yet he did not open his mouth he has brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb so he opened not his mouth that's important because if he had said anything in his own defense our salvation and atonement would be canceled got me why because he would have been admitting guilt and he was not guilty he was oppressed and afflicted yet he opened not his mouth he is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb so he opens not his mouth he was taken from prison and from judgment and who shall declare his generation for he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgressions of my people was he stricken and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence neither was any deceit in his mouth yet it pleased the lord to bruise him he hath put him to grief when you when you shall make his soul an offering for sin he shall see his seed and prolong his days the pleasure of the lord shall prosper in his hand he shall see of the travail of his soul and be satisfied by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many for he bears their iniquities therefore i'll divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong that's us so it says he was cut off from the land of the living and who shall declare his generation that means if you're cut off from the land of the living you die without descendants that's really what that means under jewish tradition uh, you see this story played out in the book of ruth if a man died childless his brother was obligated to marry the widow and raise up children so his name would not be cut off from the nation of israel jesus name was cut off or cut off from the land of the living because he died without natural heirs he was never married i don't care what some of these weird stories say about him he was never uh, never had any children 
none of that stuff happened. So who's going to declare his generation? But God says he will see his seed and prolong his days. And so the seed of Christ was really the church that was in him when he went to the cross. And so God sees Jesus' seed in him and is able to prolong his days through us, those who preach the gospel. So we actually begin to bring children to Christ through our preaching and our teaching and lifting him up. He says if he's lifted up, he'll draw all men to him. And so the the plan of God is now finished that Jesus will will now have godly seed raised up after him. You know, if you're a natural parent and you serve God, your children have to come to Christ on their own understanding. Some of your kids will follow you to church. Some of them won't. Some of them will serve God fully. Some of them won't. You just have to believe God's going to get them if you leave this earth and they're still not serving God. you got to still believe that one day they will turn to Christ. But Jesus, his seed are all godly. He doesn't have anybody following him that's not bearing fruit for him. He doesn't have anybody, any of his seed. His seed, in other words, is not wasted like human seed is. So it's a blessing that he sacrificed natural family to give birth to a spiritual family because then we are guaranteed to be just like God now. See, we can follow Christ and be just like him so that when we we desire anything from God, we have an identity there at the throne where Jesus looks at us and he recognizes himself in us. And he gives us the full inheritance that we come to receive. We don't ever, we're not left saying, oh, you know, we, we, you don't measure up. If you get to the throne room, baby, you measure up. You understand what I'm saying? It's like Esther said, well, if he holds out that scepter, I got it made. I'm going to get everything I'm asking for. You understand what I'm saying? If I perish, I perish. But if he put that thing out and I go touch it, I'm in there. Amen. And that's the way we need to look at our relationship with God the Father. Because the holiness of Jesus has come into our hearts and into our lives. And it has transformed us into our true identity. We are truly sons and daughters of God now. We're just like God in many respects. We can think like him. We can act like him. We have the same power. We have the same identity in the earth of course jesus is in us doing the work but we take on his attributes you know once you once christ comes into your life you you begin to follow him if you stop following him you don't go back to being a nothing and a nobody there's some identity residue in us that is christ-like that enables us to live a life of peace with god So you don't have to be rolling on all cylinders all the time in order to receive the blessings of God. You become transformed. So that when you're not aware of God, say like, you know, you feel close to God when you can minister to people or witness to people or share Christ with people. Where there are times when you're not doing all that. But you still have his identity in you. You still have a piece of your relationship, the piece that you have relationship with him is still abiding in you. You you don't have to fall back down to square one 
say when you make a mistake or you're not as feeling as wonderful as you do when you're working for God. We all want to work for God, work for God, but you burn yourself out trying to push that just so you can feel worthwhile. What you do under the God's power is not what makes you worthwhile. You're worthwhile, period. You're made in his image. He considers you worthwhile, period. I don't care what. You can be sitting at home twiddling your thumbs or, you know, as long as you ain't on the phone picking at people or, you know, (laughs) gossiping. People get involved in some crazy stuff. (laughs) I just felt bad yesterday. I put on my Facebook, I said, Get off of here with these selfies and challenging, love me challenge. Go, you got e- eternity and you act like it. And I didn't care who didn't know it. I'm sick of it. You ain't no cuter now than you was yesterday when you took that picture from a different angle. About to pass out, holding your breath, trying to suck everything in. all fake you know be who god made you he's given us a real identity man what we waste our time with unbelievable praise god amen he's good anyway amen but he has he has a mission for us he has a plan for us he wants to reveal the arm of his strength to us He wants to reveal Christ to us at all times. He wants to let us always know that there's more, um, more that he wants to share with us, more that he wants to. He's purchased us so that we can have everything that he is and everything that he possesses. And so I think if we will keep our minds focused on that, and I'm here for a reason, I'm not here to you know, to just to be on Facebook picking at people and waiting for my haters to see what I got. Now, you ain't got nothing. You ain't got no more than you had the last time they you claimed they was on there hating on you. You know? You know, where are the works that we show God at the end of our lives? Where are, we, where are those works that we're, works of righteousness <laughs> that we're doing? Amen? crazy so god is pleased amen verse 10 says it pleased the lord to bruise him why Um, now god isn't a sadist he's not getting pleasure out of what it means that god found it necessary for somebody to pay the price for our sins and when he saw that jesus had passed every test and was still sinless he was pleased so he was more pleased with the offering, the quality of the offering, amen, than he was pleased with the fact that he had to see his son, you know, beaten and bruised and all of that, you know. And, and so God being God, he looks, he knows the end at the beginning, you know, however he squares that up within himself, I don't know. But but he's pleased with the sacrifice, amen, because he knew what it would bring into the earth it he knew that it would satisfy his law of of uh, of of sowing and reaping and in the penalty for sin and all of that god was satisfying his own law you know it, it when he when he made the uh 
the the Mosaic law and you know and told the man and the woman if you sin you will surely die and and the devil said you won't surely die <laughs> you'll kind of die you know what I'm saying it's like yeah you'll kind of die you won't mm, somewhat dead but not all the way well what's with the devil don't he do that to you it ain't that bad huh <laughs> but the wages of sin is death God spoke that out of his own mouth and so in order to get that penalty off of us, he had to make a way for that to happen. So when God put Jesus to the cross, he was satisfying himself. There was he not doing this to show the devil up. He's not doing this because we're a failure. He did that to please himself that his own law had been fulfilled and it was legal for us to have. Now, why would God go through all that trouble? I mean, he could have changed his mind about what the penalty was. Well, that would make him unholy. If you got to change and, and alter stuff, if you if you got to go through your book and erase stuff, and I made that wrong, that means that you're subject to fail and subject to, to well, he ain't like that. Whatever he says, he will fulfill. He doesn't overbook himself or overpromise anything where he got to look at the circumstances now and say, ooh, I better change that. I can't handle my son going to the cross like that. Okay. That's called integrity. That's called swearing to your own hurt. That's why he can demand that from us. You understand? He won't demand any more from us than he's willing to do himself. When he tells us that, that you know, if, if, if somebody needs something and, and I tell you to fulfill that need, if it's going to take your last dollar and you know I told you, you better do it. We can swear to our own hurt. Why? Because he did. See? He will never ask us to do more than he does, but he will pull the godly holiness out of us by putting us in situations where we have to imitate him. That's why we're in some of the stuff we're in. We got to imitate Christ when we get in these. We can't look like the world anymore, folks. You know, the years of selfishness are gone. I ain't saying that because I'm old. (laughs) Y'all always ready to indict the old people. What's up with that? You young whippersnappers do. But no, it's always been in my heart to, to do whatever God told me to do. When I saw that in John John 2, 5, I saw Mary, what Mary told them service to Jesus. I said, God, I'll do that. That's me. I want to do that. And God told me to it because he knew I was sincere when I said it. So there's some things that that you will be compelled to in following Christ. They don't have to do with your comfort all the time. They don't have to do with your your image and your your uh, pocketbook and you know all that kind of stuff. It has more to do with what He's working into you and out of you on the inside. He he wants people with integrity who will just do what he wants them to do. 
You know, sometimes you look at some people and you you think they don't measure up because you don't like them. You, know, you got little habits that rub you the wrong way and you don't know how to get over yourself. And you wonder how God uses people like that. But if you observe for, for any length of time, you might notice something about people. See, what I'm saying is observe the way God observes. And you might notice that they are consistent. They are never absent. They are always here. They always do what they're told to do. You know, they're not trying to slack back. Or if they do, they get get uh, confronted about it or, or, you know, counseled about it, and they shake back up again. You understand? Not trying to cut corners all the time with God. And so then you'll begin to understand something about where what God values and not what you value. It's called maturity. You know, we can start to grow up when we start understanding what God is looking for and what he sees in people as a way to bless people. He'll do that with anybody. And see, once you see it in one person and you can see, well, maybe God, is that what it is? That why they always wind up? With what they need, they're never late with their bills. They never get sit out on the street. You understand what I'm saying? And 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 then you begin to understand what God values. And then if you let that work in you, then you'll take that on as your own character. You see, well, God, if if you value that, maybe that's where I'm missing it. Maybe that's what I need to do. Maybe that's what I need to be able to to come up to that standard and quit looking at people you know with carnal eyes all the time just judging and evaluating by the flesh and think you know people you don't know anything about them amen i mean it's just that way so we have to understand that god has a new way of allowing us to be able to take on his character and it's through Christ living in us. So what's finished is the devil's reign in our lives as well. Whenever we call, God, I'm sick of this and I'm ready to move on with you and get a greater commitment to you and live more fully from you, God, just open that door for me. I'm, I'm ready to get because I see now that my excuses are not valid. I see now that it's finished. The devil's power over my life is finished. You know, even the things I like <laughs> that, that ain't right for me, they're all finished. Amen. So, so when we realize that everything that we need has, has been accomplished, there's no more accomplishment mentality that we need to honor. If you know, you understand what I'm going to say. You got to do this or God won't do that. Or you, if you don't do this and, you know, this little tit for tat thing that we think we're playing with God. When we can get beyond the accomplishment or works and get into faith for real, just believing God, take him at his word for what he said and understand that what's finished is our having to qualify for things or else we're sunk, you know. And it's just faith. Just what do you do when you want to show God your faith? Just keep doing those things. Well, you mean to tell me I I, I haven't been doing this for I, it doesn't just put your faith in motion. You know, finally, just get out of your own head and start believing God the way you're supposed to. 
So in order to receive the the things that we need, this is a covenant that has the work has been accomplished for us and everything that we need, we have to believe that everything's been done. And the faith that you now have or the faith that you exercise has no flaws in it. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not, um, I'm not missing anything. It's not not enough. You know, it's not a poor quality. Because the apostles said, the faith that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. This life that I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. And so, in, in, in see, his faith has give, was given to us in love. It's not given grudgingly. It's not given uh, because we just can't do any better and we're so pitiful. He loved us and gave us what he gave us. Amen. Nobody else can, can give you that. You can't compare the love of God with anything that you've experienced before. You understand what I'm saying? And I'm talking about even a good husband. I mean, the wealthiest man is stingy about something. When something's given in love, there's no conditions on it. There's no termination to it. There's no taking it back. There's no put you in a penalty box because they're not pleased with you. None of that stuff. It's just given to you, and it functions in your life whenever you believe it's there to function for you. There's so many of us who live our lives blaming ourselves, judging ourselves, thinking we're inadequate, all this kind of stuff. When when it's finished, all of the stuff that was held against us has been done away with. So there's nothing standing between you and perfect health. There's nothing standing between you and every opportunity that you need to use your abilities and your talents to prosper yourself. There's nothing standing in the way. All you got to do is believe. And see, when we when we think that, it, it, the first thing the devil will say to you is, you mean to tell me, oh, it ain't that simple. But she told me, just believe. No, 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 no. Because you remember so and so they said they'd believe in God. And they didn't get, they died. You know, well, I'm still alive. As long as I'm alive, I got a shot. And I think I'll take my shot believing God. And not worrying about what somebody else didn't get. Ain't your business anyway. Man, we got enough to do trying to get our little, as my mother would say, red wagon together. Amen. So, all right. So, so really... All of these things that were against us are finished because of what Jesus did. And he paid fully for every. He bore our pain, carried our sorrows. That's our physical healing and our mental healing. It says his soul was made an offering for sin. Your mental torment, your worries, your fears, your emotional upset, all of that is blood bought back for you. So you have the spirit of power and love and a sound mind. You're not mentally ill. You're not deficient mentally. 
You're not any of those things. You have been given the spirit of power and love and a sound mind. Amen. Once you understand that that love is what you've been given, love empowers you to overcome anything because it never fails. Amen. It's like the Lord was showing me. He said, you know, anything that you attach to by love comes under covenant with you. Now think about it. Since love never fails, and love is fulfillment of the law, anybody you love comes under the your covenant provision with you. Amen? It, 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 that person automatically receives what you receive. They receive the benefit of your covenant promises. Now, Miss Vicki, you ain't getting sick, but your boy will recover because you love him. So he's under your covenant protection by your love, pulling him under the umbrella of God. If he were sitting here every week receiving what you receive, he wouldn't have gotten sick. But he's going to recover because your covenant says the sick will recover. Same thing with any of us. Amen. We're not going to be sick unto death. We will recover. Amen. If death knocks on the door and he got you wrapped up in a bed somewhere, in a hospital somewhere, turn your face to the wall. Don't listen to the doctors. Don't listen to the prophets. Don't listen to nobody. But you listen to God. And you ask him for what you want. He'll give it to you. You have a covenant where God will 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 err if he makes a mistake it'll be on the side of mercy and not judgment amen he's not judging us for our sins so who has believed i believe to whom is the arm of the lord revealed it's revealed to believers amen so the arm of the lord is revealed to those who believe All that's needed for our well-being has been done. That must be believed. you got to believe you're not into works. You're not into good or bad behavior. Even though it's good to behave. You got me? <laughs> but really, we only have to believe. When you misbelieve, misbehave, believe your sins are forgiven. Don't just get stuck on misbehaving street. Amen? And wait for the devil to come beat you up. Just believe your sins are forgiven and confess your sins. Amen. God is, you know, God and the conviction of the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And all you got to do is confess. Say, yep, that's me, Lord. I see that now. I didn't see it before, but I see it now. Amen. So all that is needed for our well-being has been done. Only believe and not doubt in our hearts. Amen. In Hebrews chapter 4, if you'll turn there. Once you believe, you rest in that faith. Amen. says verse 3 for we which have believed do enter into rest as he said 
I, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spoke in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. So when we, if God's rested on the seventh day, he's rested forever. You got me? I mean, you don't get up and start working again. You you enter into a rest of accomplishment. Everything was set in motion that needed to be done. And so if God has entered into rest, then he invites us to enter into rest with him by faith. So when you believe God's word and you accept it and embrace it, there's no more work for you to do. You know, the, the author further says here, he says, he says, he did rest on the seventh day in verse five. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remains as some must enter therein. And they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again, he limited a certain day, saying in David, today, after so long a time, as it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, then he would not afterwards have spoken of another day. There remains, therefore, a rest to the people of God. So there's a rest that we have to enter into by faith. Amen. There's a second rest. There was a first rest they didn't enter into because of unbelief. So God offers it to us again that we can enter into our rest this time by faith. He says, for he that is entered into rest has also ceased from his own works just like God did from his. So when we enter into rest and ceasing from works, we enter into God's place. We enter into God's kingdom. Entering into a rest and seeking from, ceasing from works don't mean quit your job. What that means is that you quit laboring so hard trying to earn something. You don't work from the sweat of your brow anymore. We live by faith. Faith will put us to work. James said, I will show you my faith by my works. Faith without works is dead because it's by itself. Faith needs a helper to get it moving. If I tell you that that God's going to, um, God's provided a new home for me, if I never go looking, my faith isn't going to do much. It'll stay on neutral. You understand what I'm saying? Now, there are some times when, when God will say, just start going toward it, and I'll just put you in in gear you understand what i'm saying you make the first step and he will continue opening doors for you you don't have to keep keep getting revved up and get your faith in gear every time you step out there's a momentum that comes when you first step out in faith amen when that momentum stops then you rest again and then god will move you the next time it's ready for you to move toward it he'll move you toward it again amen He does things in such a way that he's going to get the glory for it because you're going to find out that he can do these things a lot better than you can. See, sometimes we run around trying to take the reins from God and trying to work everything and trying to do all of these things. Um, 
you know, so we can have a sense that we're not just sitting around doing nothing. See, those days are over because most of us, once you wear yourself out doing that several times, you'll start realizing, God, is there an easier way? Is there an easier way for me to accomplish nothing? Because that's what I'm doing here. Amen. Let, let me just hold my little horses here. So faith causes us to enter into a land called rest. That's the promised land. It's rest. That's what's been promised to us. That we can cease from our own labors. That's what faith has purchased for us is our rest. So he says, verse 10, For he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us therefore labor to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. So you're laboring to enter into the rest. What's that mean? Well, if you're going to put forth any effort, it's got to be efforts made toward faith. Amen. So when you labor to enter into the rest that comes with faith, what do you do? You commit yourself to the word. You listen to the word. You meditate on the word. You believe the word's going to motivate you to step out and do what you're going to do. In other words, you spend time with God, taking on his faith, taking on his power, taking on his word, taking on his encouragement. You begin to take on the attributes of Christ as you labor to enter into your rest. See, sometimes we can kind of force ourselves to believe we're in faith when we're not. You know, we get up and go do some stuff that we think is going to make God move. Remember that? Well, I'm just moving the hand of God. It's moved already. It's too big for you to move it anyway. Huh? Where's my high hopes song? I just love that little song. You know, you're like a little ant trying to move a rubber tree plant. You want to move the hand of God? You can't even move his finger. Amen. And so when we think about it, it's the things that we do that encourage our faith is our labor. Not just study, meditate on the word of God, but also get up and do the word. So when you operate in obedience to God, you are laboring to enter into your rest. Because most of us, we have an internal understanding that when we, what we are doing day by day for God is going to pay us big dividends. If we didn't believe that, we'd stop doing it. And see, most of us are afraid to to not do certain things because we don't know what might fall apart if we quit doing it. Huh? Because your life is put together through through your faith in the word. Faith obeys God's word. Faith looks for what God is, is about in the earth and you want to participate in it. Amen? Yeah, we've, we've gotten rid of I sell, some we sell, some we sow. More pillows and prayer cloths, I would say, in the last three or four years than we ever have. Why? Our faith has grown in God's desire to heal people through that way. And we've also understood that life could fall apart if we ever say no to somebody. I wouldn't think of saying no to somebody. 
Or if God puts it on my heart to bless somebody. <laughs> Listen, I've had to pay some, some, were they back alimony, back child support to some, <laughs> some people God told me to bless. I had to pay interest on the money because I waited too long to. I say, when I tell you to do something, I tell you to do it then. I don't care who tells you what about. You understand what I'm saying? Told me to bless a preacher one time, and I called, you know, some people that I knew that that he administered with. And, oh, we don't have, we don't know how to get up. Well, that was a lie. You just worked with somebody. You don't know how to get in touch with them. And I got ticked off <laughs> to go down there and strangle somebody. In the process of me being ticked off, the poor man's offering got pushed off to the side. See, that's, God's taught me how to do better. You don't let your anger stop you from obeying God. You go to the next place where you can find out how to get it to a person. But if God told you to bless somebody, but you know sometimes an evil report can put doubt in your mind about whether God told you to do that or not. See? Not a test for them, it's a test for me. <laughs> you know, people who do that already have not prospered and won't. But see, I'm trying to prosper. So I gotta obey God. You understand? So now I make sure I get that done before I do anything else. I don't put it off. You understand? Because you put it off, it's, it gets stolen real quick. The devil will make you think it's not important. It's, well, God's not beating the door down and I can sure use that money myself. Well, maybe I need to pay my own bills. You understand what I'm saying? We learn how to not be <clears throat> stupid about things. So entering into your rest in, includes all of those things, all of the obedience things that God wants us to do. All of the things that, that attract God's power to us, he wants us to do. He wants us to put ourselves in position to help people according to his plan. Amen. So so his arm is revealed to those who are seeking him by faith. If you believe it's finished, then the arm of the Lord is revealed to you. If you believe the devil's power over your life has come to a halt, then the arm of the Lord is revealed to you. Many people work at being healed instead of working at believing. Amen. They work at, well, maybe if I do this, this will get the symptom off of me. And maybe if I do this, then God will send me my healing. Got me? If I do this. It'll come faster if I do this. If I do this, I do this. Well, if you think about it, that's really not faith. Because faith believes it's finished. Whatever the need to do's are done. And whatever the requirements are to pay the penalty so that you can receive your healing, that's all been done. So we have to enter into faith understanding that we are healed. By covenant, none of the diseases, okay, he says, if you diligently hearken, do what's right. That's what kins people up. Well, what what's, what happens when I do wrong? He don't put sickness on you. 
And he doesn't allow the devil to do it. We do that. You understand what I'm saying? We allow all of these things with either our faith or our lack of. Even if you don't believe your faith is adequate, you need to tell the devil to leave you alone. That will go a long way of stopping a lot of nonsense. Because if you believe the work is finished for the devil's reign to cease in your life, then you can confront him on any issue that he's dealing with in you. You know, people get get wound up in, in bondage about tithing. And I said, if you'd really accept what the word says by faith, you wouldn't penalize yourself for what you don't do. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, there have been a lot of instances where people have been told that unless they give the tenth, God won't bless them. Oh, that's why your bills ain't paid. That's why you just, listen, if a dog can get crumbs off the table, I know a child of God can at least have food, can have shelter, can have all of the the basics. You mean God's going to take that away from you for a measly 10%? You know, just pay it. If that's the way you feel about God. Huh? But I'm the mindset that if people aren't doing it by faith, they're not going to be blessed. And neither are the people who are trying to make them do it, whether they believe or not. And I'm a firm believer in tithing. I'm a firm believer in God's word. I'm a firm believer in the blessings of God. And I'm a firm believer that if you have faith in your heart to do certain things and you refuse to do them, you're going to be in trouble for it. You understand what I'm saying? Whatever it says, do as you purpose in your heart. What's your faith telling you to do? If you tell God you want to be a tither, then he will give you the faith to tithe. You understand what I'm saying? And do it consistently. But you're not doing it looking for the other shoe to drop if you miss a time. Where's the penalty come from all of a sudden for your disobedience? You mean you can't repent and tell God you're sorry, God, I can't get it together. I don't know how these other people do this, but I just don't have it. But if you will accept my best. I see a lot of people who are tithers hate it when you say that. You understand? Because where they come from, you you got to do it. You better not spend God's money. That ain't your money to... Why get me involved in it then if it's not... Come on now. You understand what I'm saying? It is not, come on, what kind of game is this? If it ain't my money, how come I have to even have it in my possession? And see, some people don't allow themselves to think anything other than, I gotta do this. If I don't do this, God won't do this. Then when they get sick all of a sudden, I don't know why this happened to me. Am I saved? I mean, I do this, I do that. You can tell by what people say where they at. See, I'd rather encourage them to labor into, enter, labor to enter into their rest. Believe in God that it's finished. 
God will give you faith to to do more than tithe. I look at tithers and I think, you mean that you've been doing that for 20 years and that's all you do? And you sit up here and say, God is a good God. Why don't you take it up to 25%? Take it up to 30. Take it up to 50. He'll give you more. In the measure you give, he'll give it back to you. Why don't you increase it if you believe he's a good God? See what I'm saying? So really, that's what the new covenant does. It takes the law off of things. The stops of the law and the condemnation of the law and the requirement from the law takes it off of that. See, any decent Bible scholars will tell you that tithing is not a New Testament requirement. When Jesus told the Pharisees, he said, that you should do, they were still under the old covenant. But he said, don't neglect the more weightier matters. There's more things more important than your tithe. See, it's finished even for you to have the faith in your giving. You know, you give from the heart and you know what, what, what your faith is, your faith is limited by what you believe. You don't have unlimited faith. So your faith may be limited by many things, you know. I know when I get to end my bank account, it's over. You understand what I'm saying? It is finished in two places. So, you know, I don't have no husband nowhere, no hot and cold, running rich uh, fiance, fiance. You understand what I'm saying? I wouldn't take money from a man I'm not married to anyway. You understand me? That just ain't right. <laughs> but let me get a ring on my finger. And it's on. Huh? I'll go two rounds with the best of them. Huh? <laughs> what you want? Kung Fu, Muay Thai, uh, Shin Zoom, whatever you want to do. We can do that for all the marbles. No, but I'm limited by my faith. You know, what is my faith telling me reasonably to do? Now, don't get the impression that I won't give it all if God tells me to. Because I know he's the source of everything. So if I'm sure he's telling me to do it, he won't take you beyond your faith anyway. Amen. Your faith puts reasonable limits on, on things that you do in this earth. But but I'm not fearful and trying to hold on to every penny either. You understand what I'm saying? I live the way I've always lived by faith in God. I believe in abundance. I know God believes in abundance. And I live out of abundance. Amen. Amen. So you you don't stop doing that because of circumstances. Amen. So, So God gives us the way to believe. Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? So it, it is revealed to those who believe. In Proverbs 4, it tells you the way of believing for your health or believing for anything. Proverbs 4.20 says, My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes and keep them in the midst of thine heart. Why? There's a reason. Because that's where life and health are. Amen. Life to those that find them. 
Are you finding the word? Is it registering in your heart? Amen. You, has it been revealed to you, the truth of God's word? Is there a revelation there? So he says, <clears throat> um, oh, Proverbs of Psalms, 420 to 22. So there's life and there's health in the word of God. When you keep it before your eyes, in other words, there may come words to distract you from God's word, but then you bring the word back again. See? Like, you know, you, you start, you know, you your arm hurts for some reason. It goes on for many days. And then a word of something's wrong starts to come to you. Well, this scripture says if you bring it back in front of your eyes again, you get life and health back. See, you you get life and health. If, say it departs from your eyes. You be, this thing hurts or it's swelling. It's all been going along like this for a while now. and you know, I wonder what that is. As long as you bring life and health back on top of that, you're healed. If you keep that in your eyes, it's going to lead you to somebody that's going to tell you something's wrong with you. Now, see, people don't like this kind of stuff. You know why? Because it puts you out on a limb somewhere, and that's where you need to be, some of us. And you can hear the devil sawing off that one end that you that you think you're secure on, right? Yeah, you're out on a limb, and the devil's sawing off the part attached to the tree. You mean to tell me I'm healed just by, uh-huh. You're healed by what you pay attention to. When he says, give my word your full attention, you mean one minute I think I got to go to the doctor and the next minute I don't? Uh Uh-huh. See, you're in confusion because you disobeyed what this scripture just told you. What does it say? Don't let it depart from your eyes. See, by looking at symptoms, you disobeyed that scripture. That's why you think you're sick. That's why you think you got to go to emergency room. You mean to tell me? I mean to tell you exactly that. Oh, well, that puts a different light on things. So then here comes the devil. You mean it's wrong for me to go to the doctor? I didn't tell you that. I said it's wrong for you to let it depart from your eyes. Put your eyes back on it again. Well, I don't see where that's. Uh-uh. Put your eyes back on it again. Because, see, you'll never see until you obey. Once you obey, then you'll see. It's called faith. Oh, put your eyes right back on them scriptures that told you, been telling you when you've been healed ever since you've been saved. Now you got a little Mickey Mouse challenge from some symptoms, and you're ready to run off somewhere because you stay focused on what was wrong instead of putting your eyes on the word. Now let me tell you the other place Christians mess up. They start getting symptoms. 
and start running from them. Like, if I don't pay any attention to it, it'll go away. Now, that might be true to a degree, but what's going to heal you? So you've got to put your eyes back on the word. It's one thing to not pay attention to your symptoms, but then you've got to have something that's going to heal you in the picture. You can't run around pretending like you, you don't feel nothing. I'm not going to think about it. You keep yourself busy so you don't think about it. Yeah, but you don't feed on the word. So you've got to bring the word back in because so, that's where the life and the health are. See, the problem is you took your eyes off the word, and that's how you got paying attention to symptoms. When you put your eyes back on the word, isn't it remarkable, even if it's for a couple of minutes they go away? For a little while they stop, and then you start wanting to check and see if they're gone forever. Well, keep your eyes in the word, and they will go forever. You're not to let these words depart. From your eyes. In other words, don't take them off. Don't take your eyes off of the word. Everything in life comes up to distract us. Trust me. The the devil's got three generations of distractions in most people's lives. <laughs> if you're a middle-aged person, you got you. Your kids and your grandkids. So there's other three generations of distractions. Uh, keep you too busy to get back in my word so I can get my health and my healing. But you can do it. Amen. A little bit of word will clear this up for you. Huh? It's amazing what it will do to help you. I mean, even if it's just for a minute, you see the effectiveness of the word. So the work of believing means hearing, inclining your ear. Don't let it depart. If it does depart and you start to suffer loss, you repent and go back to focusing in on the word. You, it, you know, there are times when people come like they'll come to a healing school. Instead of paying attention to the word that's being preached, they're distracted doing everything. And then when they want to pay, then they start paying attention at the altar call. <laughs> they finally start. You understand? They sit idle waiting for that bell to ring so they can come charge the the platform. Huh? When Jesus, he preached, he taught, and he healed. Amen? He taught those people first before he ever had an altar call. Many times people, you say you see people who are waiting for him, waiting for him, waiting for him. They'll tell you they heard that they had heard about him already. The woman with the issue of blood, when she heard of Jesus, she said, if I can just touch him. So she didn't go touch him with no faith. That her faith had come some kind of way, and that was from what she heard about him. Amen. She is a good listener because she'd heard about many doctors and gone to each one of them. So she knew how to listen for what she needed to hear. 
Same thing with Bartimaeus. When he saw Jesus coming out of, of Jericho, he's sitting at the gate and somebody says, oh, that's G. Oh, let me talk to him. Let me, let me, I know he'll heal me. You understand? He had heard about him when he, they told him it was Jesus that rang a familiar bell to him. And so these things don't come just out of nowhere. You don't just come to a meeting and just jump in there and get healed. Your faith has to work some kind of way. I remember there was, we had a healing school one time and there was a woman that was really struggling to get there and she kept asking if there was somebody who could come pick her up and take her home. I told her, I said, the people come very early. I said, I mean like they're there at nine o'clock and the healing school wasn't until noon. And she wasn't feeling well so she couldn't get that. And so when I, when I was, I was in the lobby at the table just messing around with stuff at the table and she came in and the power of god hit her right at that door and and she said i had to get a, a somebody kind of, some kind of transit thing she said but they came and picked me up and and i got here and she just began to shout and praise god and i could tell the power of god was all over i said well baby you can you're healing now i said just receive what god has for you you understand what i'm saying and so <laughs> bad ushering you understand what i'm saying now we don't have that here but i can tell you that messes up more miracles than in people's faith they got to come with their own faith in order to get anything they're not waiting for you to start the meeting and the worship over and then the altar call they ain't waiting for all that She's like the woman with the issue of blood. She said, if I can just get there, I know I'll get it. And that's what she got. Amen. It's wonderful. We're not limited in any way. Our faith is the only thing that either limits or enhances us in what we're doing. So stay in faith. Incline your ear. Don't let it depart from your eyes and your ears. Stay focused in the word of God. Well, does that mean I can't, that that means just do what you got to do to get, do you want to get healed or don't you? You stay focused on what you need to stay focused on until you get it. If somebody called you and told you you could pick up your check for $1,500 this afternoon, you'd be on the first thing smoking. And make sure you get there on time. What time do I have to be there? Huh? We need to be diligent like that about God's word. Amen? He said don't let it depart. In other words, if you get crazy and do something that distracts you from the word, go back to it. There's no penalty box around here. There's a devil that's trying to keep you sick. And confused and broke and unhappy. And then there's God who's full of mercy, who's full of love, who's full of life, who's full of joy and contentment. He's full of everything that we need. So God says, if you stay focused on me and stay with me, I got what you need. And I'm willing to give you 100% of everything that you need, period. No stops, no holes barred, no nothing. The the widow with the cruise of oil, if she lived this long, she'd be pouring oil now. 
It only stopped by by her ability to find things to pour it into. Which is a lesson for us. Always think big. Amen. Think as big as you can in God. Always think more. God's never going to stop pouring out. I might as well get some more neighbors lined up. Amen. Because, see, eventually they got to get their bottles, their jars back. Then they got a little bit. See what I'm saying? I mean, God's got overflow and abundance for people who help you. He's not shortchanging anybody. So, so listen, it's finished, folks. We've got to put our faith to work. Don't let your first faith lay over in a corner somewhere. Always keep it active. Even if it's just, Jordan, I thank you. That's faith. That's bringing his presence in towards you. Worship is expression of your faith in him as the all-sufficient God. Amen? The one who's more than enough. So just keep yourself trained to grab into the spirit, and you won't have any lack. You'll, you'll understand what it means to be ready with your faith to receive what God has for you. Amen. Whenever, whenever there's a need, whenever there's a desire. Amen. It's all the same to God. Well, Lord, we thank you for your word, and thank you for understanding. Thank you for goodness and mercy. Thank you, Lord, that it is finished. And you are revealing your arm to us because we believe. And we thank you, Lord, for divine health and healing. We thank you have kept us well and whole. We understand, Lord, that you are a God who blesses us and helps us and will keep us from all harm, hurt, and injury because that's your plan for us and we believe you for it. All right, let's do our confession. I don't have Rona. And she don't have me. I can't get Rona. And she can't give me. Thank you, Father, that by the stripes of your Son, I am healed. My household is healed. They shall recover. There's no pestilence near my dwelling. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, I have a covenant with you. And I am healed. Amen, amen, and amen again. It is so decreed. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God.